Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. And I'm Melissa Edgington. So welcome to day four? Day four. Four of the nutty November. So we've already had three three down, and I've basically said everything I know about marriage already. <laughs> so I'm tapped out. <laughs> so from here on out, it's up to you to shoulder the load. <laughs> We're on day four of 30 days to a deeper connection in your marriage. And this is, you know, we're not experts in marriage. We have struggled just like everybody in marriage. Marriage is hard. Okay, so don't let anybody tell you that if it's not easy, then it's not right. Because marriage is tough. I don't care who you are. So tonight we're going to talk about, just briefly, this idea of couples who are have this attitude of, it's us against the world. Yeah, so I call them uh, inward-facing couples um, that just sort of try to uh, focus so completely on each other, or even their own families, that they wind up looking at everybody else is an enemy everybody else is a threat to their what would you say their, their little world their little their own little world so they kind of just operate in their own little world in their own little marriage and so um these are the kinds of of couples that don't really have a lot of friendships outside of their marriage they don't really tend to socialize they would rather just be together and not allow anyone else into their little circle and this can even extend to their children, you know, once they have kids. And they just become a very inward-focused little family. And there are there are several problems with that just as Christian people. There are problems with being so inwardly focused. But it's as far as marriage is concerned, it's not healthy for your marriage. Yeah, and I think many times the... The impetus for that kind of attitude stems from good things. Like people think, well, you know, we hear the mantra all the time. I was at a parenting seminar tonight we did at church, which was really great, um, that was talking about, uh, you know, hey, are you spending enough time thinking about your calling to be a parent? Mm. So here's your greatest calling. Are you spending too much time at work when you should be devoted to your kids at home? So if your number one calling, uh, uh, besides having a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, if your number one calling is your family, then I think people are like, well, gosh, how, how do I make that the number one calling? And I think they just develop in their mind, okay, if my family is going to be my number one calling, that means I, you know, I need to just kind of um, prioritize them in a way that that seems to put everybody else on a much lower tier in their life. Friendships, um, other activities. I mean, I, I'm trying to think, you know, just in, you know, we've been married for, seems like a million years. And in, and in that time, we've been married for like 18 years. So in that we've time. We've been married 19, 19 and a half years. 19, okay, 19 and a half, whatever, details. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's going to be, wait, hold, hold on. So 1990. We got married in 1997, 99. Yeah, so in so in 2019, it'll be 20 years. I graduated from college in 97. Yeah. 
You graduated from college in 99. Mm-hmm. So your marriage and your, your college reunion of 20 years will be the same year. Yes. See, I don't have that luxury. So I... So hard. you're confused. I'm only, I, it's a perpetual state of confusion, <laughs> my, my life. So we've been watching people for all these years, watching couples, having, and gosh, after 20 years, a lot of marriages wind up in the graveyard, you know, yeah. a lot of them, a lot of them end in divorce. And, you know, not every marriage ends for the same reasons. You can't say, you can't put, put them all in a category, but generally, um, you know, you just kind of notice trends in people you know and things that you've experienced and people that seem to be having problems. And when you counsel people or talk with people, the you know, one thing that we just kind of noticed over time is like it seems like the couples who you would think, gosh, they're the most in love. You know, they're the yeah. most crazy about each other. Yeah. I mean, they would rather spend time together than spend time with anybody else. And then they're the one, then they wind up divorced. Yeah, you know, we've learned that it's very possible to 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 live this polite existence mm-hmm. together that ends up being so stagnant that it ends in divorce because one day one of them wakes up and says, I'm not happy, I can't live like this anymore. The reason for that is in a lot of cases is because they have cut everything else out of their lives and they're trying to find total fulfillment in each other. other. Mm. They're depending solely on each other for all of their emotional needs and it just doesn't work that way. And I guess neither one wants to seem flawed or point out a flaw or like it would cause the whole house of cards to crumble. Right. Uh, if there was a little reality yeah. pondered or perceived. I remember that conversation we had with a friend. And I know that's what you're thinking of when you mentioned that. Is we asked him. He, 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 they'd not been married long at all. Yeah. Maybe just a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And this was like, you know, a stellar proposal to really great personalities, great looking people, you know, that got married and just seemed like Ken and Barbie. And you just would think, oh man, the perfect marriage. And then I remember just saying, well, what happened? You know, were you there when he said uh-huh. that? It's like, what, what, what went wrong? I mean, we were just like flummoxed talking to him. And he said, I think that's a word. And he said, is that a word? <laughs> Flummoxed? Is that... that is a word. I don't know that I've ever heard someone use it in a sentence. <laughs> what does it mean? I mean, it's kind of the same thing as flabbergasted, <laughs> flustered. Flustered, is that a word? Yeah. Flustrated, is that a word? No. <laughs> flustrated, is just, that's a step too far. <laughs> now you're into made-up English. But I think flummoxed, it might be a word. Anyway, we were like, what happened? And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, you know, uh, we never fought. And we were just really polite to each other. And that was just kind of the way it was. And then one day it was like over. She was back with her parents. And we were getting a divorce. And I was like, you know, even his head was spinning. It's just, there was just sort of a, you know, um, that that wake up and it's like, is this what it's going to be for the next 50 years? Because I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, and and maybe they just didn't know each other. or know each other well enough to get into the nitty gritty, which sometimes is, is, is not pleasant. But I, I've just seen, and I think this is what tends to happen when I counsel people and they're having problems. So then they will come to you and you start to sort of 
diagnose their marriage. Mm -hmm. And what you realize is that these people are suckers. I mean, all that they do individually and all that they do as a couple is just take Mm -hmm. and consume. Mm -hmm. Um, And you start to think, well, gosh, you know, what's, what's the deal here is that they are extremely uncharitable like both of them are extremely uncharitable people in that they don't give they don't give as a couple they don't give as as a um I'm not just talking about money I'm talking about in every every way that you could think of being generous and charitable they don't give anything so whenever it comes to their relationship there's no give it's only take mm. and they're just kind of taking from one another and taking from one another and they're just sort of like I would say, they're inward facing, and they're just completely depleting one another mm-hmm. of, of everything, just taking yeah. and taking and taking. No one's giving anything, and then certainly as a couple, that they're not giving anything to the rest of the world. Yeah. So I'd say, hey, when you walk into a room, you know, are as a couple, you know, because there are certain couples that man, they're just they're a drag, you know, mm. that they they don't ever contribute anything. They're like, oh, here they are. And they're going to suck all the life out of the room because that's the kind of marriage that they have. Mm. It's just a marriage. They're suckers. They don't give anything. And it's hard to sit down across from people and be like, well, have y'all thought about the fact that, and I don't want to tell people, gosh, you know, you guys drain all the life out of a room because I don't know that I've really, (laughs) I really don't feel that way about people. I try to see the best in people, but I know how people are perceived. It's like, you're not the person that helps people. You're the person that always needs help. Mm-hmm. And even if you're the nicest person in the world, if you're the person that always is like having the problem, sometimes you, you kind of become a little bit of a drag. And, 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 and other people can realize that you're, you, you guys are just like, you've consumed everything there is to consume with one another, and then you start to consume outside. But you're just so self-centered that even your marriage is self-centered. Mm-hmm. And so what I like to try to think of marriage is if we can like turn the, the corner here. The idea of these podcasts is to be short, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm about to, I'm about to, hint, I'm about to turn the, you're about to drop the bomb. I'm about to like <laughs> open the, the door on the hinges and, and like open up into a, a, a refreshing way of thinking about marriage. Okay. Do you know what I'm about to say? Lay it on us. I mean, do you know where I'm going with this? I have no idea. Okay, I, so, I can't wait. So this is like my counseling. <laughs> this is like the, so I said I've exhausted everything. I know there's one more thing and I'm about to say <laughs> is, is in thinking, thinking about this is I try to, in the counseling session, say, here is how you're, you're, cause it seems like that's just the pattern. Mm-hmm. Haven't you seen it? Yeah. They're inward facing, they're consuming, they're self-centered. I say, instead of thinking about your marriage as inward facing, what if you were both outward facing and you were back to back so that no matter what the world threw at you as a couple, you could handle it because you had each other's backs. You know, it's almost like the way in that movie, Forrest Gump, remember Bubba? Yeah. And Forrest, they would sit back to back in the foxhole Mm. just to kind of help each other for whatever was coming. And that's how... I think as a married couple, you have to be. You're not any less close. 
because you're you're back you know you're still back to back you're still mm-hmm. supporting one another yeah it's just that the way that you're ready you're, you're ready to serve the world you're you're facing outward to be a service to the world so that instead of your marriage coming and sucking all the life out of the room your marriage is giving life mm-hmm. so do you want a life taking marriage that just sucks all the life or do you want a life giving marriage yeah one of the one of the best ways for a Christian couple to bond and to have real meaningful experiences with each other is in serving others and, and getting outside of your tiny little circle there and inviting people into your world and, you know, looking for ways that you can be a help and, and a servant to other people. I think that um, the, that it's us against the world couples they tend to have an attitude like we're looking out for number one. Yeah. And that is never going to bring you satisfaction in marriage because another, you know, your spouse is never going to be able to fulfill all of the things inside of you that need fulfilling. First of all, Jesus is the only one who can fulfill you. But secondly, you need friendships. You need friendships outside of your marriage. You need relationships with people of different ages in your life. You know, you need mentors in your life. You need to be friends with other couples. I have learned so much about marriage and parenting from other people my age. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and of course from older people, but don't underestimate what you can glean from your friends' marriages if you're spending a lot of time together. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's it's, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing how, like, a couple can, or your marriage, the idea of the two of you, can almost just be an extension of whatever your identity is. And we, at the, we did the Paul Tripp parenting conference tonight, and he was talking about, hey, don't find your identity in your children because a lot of people do that. They find mm-hmm. their identity in, you know, um, their children's success or their identity in their children's um, failures and let that kind of drive the way that they think of themselves. And you, you can start to try to find your identity in your marriage, your significance in your marriage, your purpose in your marriage. And you can make you can make your marriage an idol, like you can make your kids an idol. Mm-hmm. You make a good thing an ultimate thing. And he was saying, man, you know, you really, if you're not finding your relationship and your purpose and or your purpose and your identity in in your vertical relationship with God, then you're you're naturally just going to start to go with horizontal things. Mm-hmm. And then and the first horizontal thing that you could use to support your identity and your purpose is your marriage. Yeah. And then your kids. And then maybe your job. Um, and so it's so important to have your identity in Christ. And then like I say, naturally your marriage is going to take on the identity of the two. I mean, it's just sort of magnify, you know, whenever you add two things together, they're bigger than one thing together. And so if both of you have your identity in Christ, then your marriage, the the identity of your marriage will be a Christian marriage that's serving Christ. Yeah. You Uh, know, when we were first married, we lived in Nashville and we were 800 miles away from our families and, and most of the people that we knew. And, you know, our first year of marriage, I would qualify as pretty rough. You know, yeah, we, had, we had a rough first year. And I think one of the things that really made us realize that marriage is fun is that we got really involved in a church. Mm-hmm. 
and we, we made friends with other couples and we started serving in that church and it was some of the best memories that we have of our marriage were in those first couple of years when yeah. we were really learning how to serve side by side and how fun it was to have these shared experiences of serving in this church that we love yeah. so much. And for your marriage to be a marriage that is not just focused on itself, but yeah. it's a marriage with a mission. It's a marriage with a purpose. It's a marriage that says our intention is to glorify God. And that might be through making babies and that might be, but it may not be, mm-hmm. you know, but whatever it is, it's, it's, it's a marriage to train these children up. It's a marriage to serve in the church. And, you know, I, I had that thought today. Uh, I was talking with Rodney who, who is kind of runs our youth, uh, youth center here at Olney. And he was at the parenting conference. And I turned around after we had talked about, um, you know, teaching your kids and, and, and how to talk about your kids when they ask, why do we have these rules? And, you know, it's kind of based off the Deuteronomy 6 thing. And we were talking about all these families that have all these troubles, all these problems, and marriages and parents with children and just all the issues that come along. Uh, as Paul Tripp said tonight, he said on that conference that we watched, you know, because we expect our kids to all parent themselves and we want a fully sanctified spouse while we're at it. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't have that. Yeah. But he said, we were talking about the problems. And I said, you know, I don't know any marriage or any family that would not be completely revolutionized if they just attended church eight weeks in a row without missing a, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night. Yeah. You know, I mean, I wonder if that, if, if you could just prescribe something to a family and say, let me tell you what would, what would immediately be a way that you could serve the Lord mm. is to be here when the doors are open and have your kids here and to make this a priority and let your kids know it's a priority mm-hmm. because that's a service. Yeah. Not only is it a service to your children, but your presence in worship, and I'm saying this is the pastor, so I mean, I want people there, but your presence in church is a service to other people. Yeah. Somehow you being there in your seat is an encouragement to the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm really encouraged when I wake up in the morning and all my organs are there. Yeah. You know? That's but if, nice. But if I woke up in the morning, like <laughs> liver's gone. Yeah. And like one kidney is somewhere like, oh, I couldn't make it this morning. I'd be like, <laughs> what's going on? But like it's a tremendous encouragement to wake up with the body intact. And if you're part of a church family and your marriage is struggling and you're thinking, man, this is crazy. This isn't working out. Um, you know, uh, maybe there's a reason for your, that you're unhealthy. is because liver, when he decides not to show up, he dies too. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, you know, maybe you can make it for a while without your liver. I think you have to get another one. But, like, all the organs need to show up. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, it's good. So, so don't be an inward-facing marriage. Be an outward facing couple that's hands out ready to give life to the world to where when people think about your marriage they think you know what we can count on those two yeah those two are the kind of people we want around and you know yeah that's that takes a change of mind and a change of heart and if you're just like hey we're preserving our time this is our time this is our stuff this is our house this is our money you know this is our life we're, we're and y'all are trying to intrude on it, you know? Well, let me tell you what. It's just a matter of time. You won't have your marriage anymore. You'll have to sell your house. Your, your, your time is going to be a total mix-up of, like, tr- trading kids off and yeah. so on and so on. Because the, when that seems like, to me, 
the recipe for divorce is a couple that is so inwardly focused that it just consumes itself. We have to remember that everything we have is from God. And belongs to him. Yeah. And so who are we to hold back our marriages from him and from the church? Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Well, we All got, right, do, so, we, do, we, hold, do we have a minute just to talk, just you and me, just visit for a minute? Sure, what do you want to you visit know, about? You know, the podcast in earnest, if you're flummoxed right now, <laughs> the podcast in earnest is over. It is terminated. Okay. It's like a divorce of an inward-facing couple. <laughs> it's so brave. All right. So, um, boy, today was quite a day, wasn't it? I mean, speaking of church, I mean, that was a, today was like an exciting day, wasn't it? It was a great day. So uh, usually the, um, the time change at a church is high attendance Sunday. That's normal Yeah. Uh, to have high attendance Sunday. And we, we had a pretty good attendance at church today. I'd say we had probably, I, I would say we're probably going to hit 300 today, which is great. So... Uh, you know, good. That's like Easter number for yeah. us, which is good to have in the fall on the, on a non-holiday. And you know, I think some people, um, you know, maybe were more inclined to show up because they got an extra hour of sleep. But Melissa had this fantastic idea about three or four weeks ago, and she put a team together of like really capable women in our church who are good at stuff like cooking, decorating, uh, making stuff fancy, writing on gold letters with gold letters on white pumpkins like all like we have we we actually have a woman in our church her name is julie julie lane and she has these i mean i would say it's a bona fide talent oh, yeah. of writing on pumpkins i mean i looked at her work it's beautiful i was like who did this how is this done when i looked at the pumpkin lettering i was truly blown away yeah. in the truest sense of the word i, I was like and I asked, I said, how did you, I asked her, did you have a paintbrush? Like, I could not figure out how it was done. Marker pen. Yeah. Marker pen on a white spray, a, paint, a pumpkin that was already white, and they painted it more white? Well, they... I'm telling you, fall decorations, guys, blow me away. They painted all of the pumpkins white so they would all be the same shade of white. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Because then when you add the gold lettering, yeah. you're like, that pumpkin is art now. Yeah. Word art. Yeah. That was super. So imagine fancy lettered pumpkins on tables with wooden things and like, you know, tiny succulent flowers and candles or I don't even know what all was there. It was unbelievable. And uh, so the idea was to sort of have a women's event. So that was your vision, right? Yeah. And it was, you guys pulled it off. Tell us about it. It was awesome. I mean, I... You know, our church knows that I'm not much of a cook, and so I have learned, you know, I've been a, a senior pastor's wife now for five years, and in that time I've learned that there are plenty of people in the church to make up for your shortcomings if you're a pastor's wife. Yeah. All you have to do is know the right people to call. It's true, man. And so I put together, you know, the A team of of bakers and cooks and decorators, and um, they were just fantastic. It was so fun. So now you've you've really made this known, like you are not the one to call for working in the kitchen. 
Well, I don't mind working in the kitchen. Just don't ask me to cook food for 120 people. I mean, I don't it's know not how your to thing. do that. Yeah. No. And that's interesting because I think sometimes people, they, they think, what does the pastor's wife do? They have like, there's like the traditional idea of a pastor's wife that she should be able to make like turkey and dressing for, yeah. you know, 150 but, people. But you know, the, the women in our church are so with it and they're so awesome that they, you know, their attitude is you get out there, you know, you don't need to be in the kitchen. You get out there and you be talking to people, yeah. you know, and they give me the freedom to go out there and and speak with people and, you know, get to know people while they're doing all of the hard work in the <clears throat> kitchen. They're just unleashing and empowering your gifting. <laughs> they are. That's true. We have the greatest church in the world. Yeah, it's really, it's really a good church. And uh, that was a neat event. All the guys helped uh, substitute teaching in the classes where the women teach. I did four and five-year-olds. I got done with that. I said, I need a raise just because of that. <laughs> Or combat pay. I mean, that was crazy. Those kids, they were so sweet. <laughs> no, they weren't at all. <laughs> it was like all these dads, and we were like, "What is happening?" <laughs> like there would be like like I, for like five minutes, there was this kid in my face, and he was talking to me. And somehow, like, I just, after about five minutes of this kid, while I'm trying to teach a lesson or sing a song or something, this kid's like two, like one, less than a foot away from me, invading my personal space. And he's just like, uh, you know who else's birthday it is today? He just kept saying it over and over to him. Until I was like, oh, what, what are you saying? You know, and I realized he's asking me if I knew it was his brother's birthday or something. And I was like, oh, oh, awesome. Will you sit down for a minute? <laughs> so I realized he's like it's like a fly bothering you, and you don't realize it or something. I don't know. Yeah. But he was really they're all sweet, but they're like really weren't listening. I mean, it was nuts. Yeah. Because they were then then they didn't want to sit up, and they all wanted to lay down. And then one would just start crying. It's like I need my daddy, and I was like, well, you know, he's busy right now. We're all we all got to do what we got to do right now, and that is we really need to sing Father Abraham one more time. All right. <laughs> I taught them bullfrogs and butterflies. They really liked that song. Well, that's good. Yeah, so we we made it through, and in the and in the end, I still thought we needed about ten more minutes of filler, and and then y'all were done, and they were coming to pick them up, which was really good. The women appreciate your sacrifice. I gained a new appreciation for the women who worked down in the basement. Yeah, it's normally all of us who are dealing with that every week. Yeah. And during the church service, right? I don't ever. And I have. I learned a long time ago. If you don't want to have to do children's church, pick up an instrument or learn how to preach. (laughs) Is that what? Is that what led to your calling? That is actually why I'm a pastor. (laughs) It's because I realized if you want to stay out in the nursery, (laughs) if you are the head honcho, they will not ever put you down to work in the nursery. It's true. Yeah, good strategy. So that was great. And then tonight we did the parenting conference. And the t- the attendance, you know, I, I never know what what to make of something like that when we do a simulcast conference type thing. It was pretty well attended. I'd say almost 40 people were there. I thought it was great attendance. Yeah, pretty good attendance. A lot more probably should have been there, um, but they weren't. And, you know, but you just can't worry about that. You just have to, you know, what do they say? What's, what's the idea? 
you, you, you appreciate the people who are there, not the ones who aren't there. So, I mean, you just have to say who the ones that are here, the ones that were supposed to be here, and move on with life. So, anyway, exciting times. Yeah. You're relieved now, right? Your big project is over. Yes. And now you don't have anything else to do except write, like, 25 Lessons for Life away. <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of not work that to many do. Left, not that many left. No. So, you really have, like, 12 lessons left to write, right? No. No, I've got... Uh... Let's see, I've got seven left. Seven left, okay, yeah. awesome. So Melissa's writing, explore the Bible for fifth and sixth grade Yeah. for Lifeway. So maybe if your kids are going to be that age. Sawyer will be having, is, does your picture get to be in the book? No. They don't show a picture of no, you? No, they don't. They say your name? Yeah. Oh, so it'll say that you wrote it. That's neat. Anyway, Melissa's a big shot. Uh, I just write sermons. She writes actual like Lifeway literature. So, and activities. Is that hard to come up with the activities that they do? That's it's fun. Yeah, I had I had an activity today. Color this Solomon's Temple. One of them knew who Solomon was, and then after we got out that it was Solomon who built the temple, it was just like you know, just monkeys. That's all it was. It was just like monkeys and trying to make them sing. It was. <laughs> I'm going to have a nightmare about it tonight. I'll flashbacks. You poor I'm thing. I'm going to wake up curled up in the corner of the, the room. And be like, what's wrong? I'm like, Father Abraham. <laughs> no, we can't do this. I guess one more time. <laughs> They're not going to make it. <sighs> oh, man. It's like we had to try to have a puppet show, but the, the puppets never stopped assaulting one another. I was like, let's do a puppet show together. And they come over there. It's like punching puppets. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let's play blocks. And then it was like this hit, hitting people with blocks. Yeah. Let's play food, throwing it everywhere. Yeah. Like no matter what you played, they found a way to make it violent. You must have had a lot of boys. I can't, there was, there was probably over a dozen kids in there that we had. I would say at least 12 kids, three girls. Wait, you're telling me there were only 12 kids? Some of them had enough moxie for like four or five kids. How there. many men were down there? Uh, five of us. <laughs> <laughs> but like no, but it was real hands off. Like we were just sort of like watching this. Like it was just kind of its own. It was sort oh of, my goodness, y'all yeah. are a mess. That's all we could do. All right, we better wrap we this up. We did our best. All right, you guys have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow. All right, bye bye.